I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello and welcome to the Manzilla podcast. I'm Gavin and thank you very much indeed for being with us today. Our next show was recorded a couple of months ago before the coronavirus hit. It was myself, Cece and Jack in on that one and the show was meant to be around the statistics around suicide. That time of year, February being a very dark, dreary and troublesome month for many people. Our guest, Matthew Steens, uh, is the founder of Stigma Statistics, a company that tracks and analyzes and audits people who commit suicide to try and get to the root of the issue and work with other organizations there and charities to stop it happening in the future. Now, of course, times are really unprecedented right now. And we want you to know that if you are suffering with your mental health in any way, be it from personal circumstances, money issues, family strife or professional worries or anything to do with business, then there is useful information on how and who you can contact throughout this show. So thanks so much for listening. And we hope it is of some help to you. The most important thing is that you feel you can speak to someone if you are feeling worried about anything at all. So let's jump into our conversation now with Matthew Steens, founder of Stigma statistics so i guess it all started uh probably about six or seven years ago uh in new zealand one particular day i was uh, working in a high-rise building in auckland and and witnessed um someone jump off a car parking building opposite and and to their death and and what can only be assumed was was a suicide at that particular point in, in my life i was going through a period of depression and so that, that whole event was quite quite intense for me and, and um, sort of pushed me to go and get myself sorted. Um, so I went to, you know, when you got therapy, uh, coming out of the second therapy session, I had a bunch of missed calls to find out that a friend of mine had also died by suicide. Wow. Um, yeah, all quite an intense time. And, you know, I remember sort of sitting in my car uh, crying after after that, thinking, you know, uh, I've really got to do something about it, about this. Um, so I was reading about uh, this guy who founded uh, Cure Violence in the States, Dr. Gary Slutkins. He was using epidemic methodology to tackle gun violence in Chicago and had, had uh, 
reasonable amount of success with that. So I started talking to him and his team about uh, potentially doing a, a pilot either here or, or back in New Zealand. Um, so we started looking into it and, and I kind of put my corporate hat back on and was like, well, where's the data that you know, supports where we should go and um, you know, do one of these pilots? You know, it takes up to two years, uh, sorry, two years to confirm a suicide in, in, in New Zealand. It can be, you know, a minimum of nine months here. So quickly, your data's all out of date. Mm-hmm. And, and to do a pilot like that, it sort of, yeah, need a bit more. So um, going back to the drawing board, um, the UK have a um, national uh, suicide prevention strategy, of which a component is data collection. And... In County Durham, they have what's well. They they did have a, a, a program called Suicide Surveillance, and so we started working with with that um, with stakeholders up there to kind of map out the process and produce a platform from that. The, when you when you came up with and decided that you were going to start rolling with stigma statistics, what was the the main objective for that for that company? What were you trying to achieve? So starting out, the main objective is to um, you know, map suicide data in real time globally uh, to enable uh, more timely support for the bereaved. Uh, better prevention and better intervention strategies, and that comes with, I suppose, <clears throat> I suppose you're, you're mapping the data of something that's already happened. Am I correct? Yeah. So yeah. So it's probably worth explaining how how it all kind of works. Exactly. So we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about the period from a sudden death to you know within I suppose within a couple of weeks. So police attend a sudden death, and then they'll fill out a form and send it to the coroner. Under suicide surveillance and that sort of that real-time suicide data sharing is, uh, we would also get that information and share it with key stakeholders. Um, you know, with the map, with reporting, and, and um, also have things like escalation plans and lessons learned from other areas. So um, it's estimated that every suicide costs um, 1.67 million. Uh, Every with, suicide costs really? one point six. Yeah, with an additional four hundred thousand if it's on the rail. Oh my word! And, and so that's that yeah. majority of that, or seventy percent of that, sort of borne by close family and friends. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a massive figure. Wow. That's incredible. And, and in, ter- in terms of like how you deal with those stats and those numbers, do you um how how do you plan to sort of I guess implement those in like society in the circles that. Yeah, you know, can help with suicide prevention. So there's, I suppose, having that that, that national suicide prevention strategy, and, and you know, the UK will call them a thought leader. Um, yeah. This sort of uh, NHS Public Health England are putting a lot into this, and um, there's there's areas starting to look at it. Um, so sort of linking in at the at the right time with them, although data sharing agreements. Well, no, let's not talk about GDPR, but you know those kind of things scare local authorities and local public health. If somebody was to be concerned of somebody that may or may not want, you know, that's going to commit suicide, or looking or thinking about it, or maybe shows the signs of committing suicide, what what are in your experience through researching this sort of thing, the things that people should be looking out for and almost um, preempting more of a of a you know, looking, looking, looking to someone's mental health state. Well, so what's really interesting um, is if we take the police. So police, when they're attending a sudden death, haven't um, really been trained for that. Of course, that's right, exactly. And, yeah. and so part of what we're trying to do is bring in the bereavement support to attending the death, to, to being able to support the family. In terms of GPs, I think they're getting a lot better. I, oh, okay. c- I certainly know through you know my own experience, 
um, that they're a lot more um, open and sort of yeah. um, emotionally aware. Is that a yeah? Yeah, yeah. Taking it a bit more seriously, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And there's, a, the, I mean, it's not to me. It doesn't seem as taboo, you know. Now talking mm-hmm. about this when I first got here was all, you know, I sort of took it, took about it to someone in the office, and you'd get the kind of stiff response. Whereas right. now people are a lot more open to talking about it. Yeah. Less stiffs around. Yeah. What would you put? You say that you would like uh, so the police that attend the the scene. How would you? Um, educate them more to how, how would that work you say you'd like that to happen so how? so what would happen is under the under the uh, suicide surveillance or real-time um, program uh, when you know they're going out to a scene and they know that it's a potential suicide mm-hmm. or suspected suicide they will take one of the bereavement um, oh, I see. bereavement people with them and so we've yeah we've been working quite closely with this if you care share foundation which is a yeah um, foundation up north have been quite good in helping us understand that, kind of developing our, our functionality to, to handle it. I guess it's catching it then, isn't it? Because if you're able to say, do you know what, I'm feeling a certain way, I'm a little bit scared about how I feel, I'm going to take myself to my GP. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the UK, you know, you call, you wait four days yeah. <laughs> for an appointment, and, you know, by that point, who knows? So... <laughs> Then you you have to sort of it's almost like you have to know yourself before you've even do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I think you have to get to a certain you can't be on the edge. Mm. Yeah, I think we should all be doing things like you know mindfulness and that and and meditation to kind of understand understand yourself a bit more. And that should you should use preventative measures all the time. So we should move from you know move to preventative rather than reactive. I agree with you. I just think when someone's already in that space, if I was to say to a family member, do you know what? You should meditate. Like in that state, that's just not a thing. Isn't it? They're, they're, the panic, the, you know, the, the state of mind they're in mm-hmm. is at the, is, is ready to go. So how do you, you can't go too cheap at that point. A&E you said is maybe not the best place. So you can call the helplines. Yeah, call the helplines or, or maybe even just go directly to like a psychologist. How do you do that? The, the, there's directories, you know, you could ring up and say, hey, I need to oh, see okay. someone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe they'll have a, a better uh, place to refer. Um, it's sort of, it's hard to talk about this specifically because mm. every um, every borough, every location is slightly different. Yeah. And, and, and there is a, well, actually, the, the first point of call is um, there's a really good resource called um, the Hub of Hope. Yeah. And you can go in there, you can put your postcode in and it'll tell you what services are in the area. Yeah. The Hub of Hope. Oh, yeah. And it's actually a really okay. interesting story to that. So it was founded by a comedian up in Manchester okay. who attempted suicide. Oh, wow. And then sort of went through, like, well, what services are around? Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's a, that is a really good resource. That's incredible. That's good to know. Yeah, that really is. You know something I found, actually, when it comes to talking about these sorts of issues, depression, mental health, suicides, that kind of thing... Um, it's. I find that there's a. Um, it's almost become a fashionable thing to talk about. I would actually argue and say that it's become normalised to talk normalized. about. It. So but it's then, not. It's not. Sti- you know. It's destigmatised. That, that's exactly it. But then, on the other, on the flip side of that, are you getting people that come forward that maybe are not as far down the line as someone who probably should be coming out and talking about it because they think it's in to be talking about mental health. Uh, yeah, I could absolutely yeah. see that, and you know, it's a. Uh, you do get people who aren't as yeah. um, 
perhaps well intentioned as others to, yeah. to, to be to show face and you know I've certainly seen that isn't that more on the anxiety side like um, yeah probably. hashtag anxiety yeah know, that that's become you see it on yeah. social media all the time yeah but I think suicide in particular I yeah I don't know how freely people feel even using the word yeah that's you know, true they're sort of scared to even say it completely yeah so I don't I don't know about that but unless you've seen well, something so I, I suppose there's a number of different things there if you're talking about yeah. mental health generally or if you're talking about inside anxiety or if you're talking about suicide you know certainly something like suicide is not going to be popular you know popular hashtag that out yeah that would be a bit yeah, weird wouldn't it um, yeah. whereas you know perhaps the mental health conversation is but I still think it's great that everyone's talking about it yeah but, uh, mm. yeah, can't get away from that I mean yeah the more it's talked about the better yeah. when you started talking about it from your personal experience and you decided to essentially come public with what you experienced in New Zealand and have decided to start a company based on this sort of stuff what was your rea- what initial reaction to your, your suppose your group of friends and your circles well I remember a, a conversation with one of my best mates back home um, and trying to tell him, like, hey, I'm not great. And it actually took me a couple of goes. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, not of you, not of him rejecting what you were saying, of you actually getting it out in the first place? Well, it was more like him, he was like, no, nah, you're all right, you, you know, you're a happy guy, got lots of friends, yeah. look at you, got a good job, everything's great. But I was like, no, 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 hang on. It, it wasn't. So and it took a couple of times to convince him almost yeah. that, right, I see. Jeez. Uh, but, you know, of course, from then he was incredibly supportive. And so... That's the thing. It's it, it, it is hard for people to get it out there, even for someone like myself who, you know, I'll say what I like anyway. Yeah, so, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, um, in terms of stigma, I think it was everyone's been incredibly supportive. What I have really, really enjoyed is you know I say what I'm doing, and it opens people up to share their stories to perhaps yeah. say something that um, you know uh, that they haven't talked about before, or, or you know enable them to get support. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Women, CC, you might be able to comment on this, but like I think women take their emotions a lot more seriously, and therefore, we talk a lot more. Yeah, yeah, but also like if someone says oh, I'm not feeling great, like, I'll get over it, have a glass of prosecco, or whatever, like the guys would with a pint of beer. Yeah. Like you do actually just listen to them and actually take it seriously and move forward with it. I think. Well, I always think of it as like I have uh, different groups of friends, and I think women, we. You have your friends that you go to when you just want to hear that everything's going to be okay. You go to them. You have your friends that you go to when you need something else. You know, and I and I have that. So I have friends that I'll go to when I need to tell them something serious because I know that's what I'm going to get. And maybe that's what the missing link is for men is that there's you have just your mates and they're your mates and like women are very good at sort of um we. we I I separate my friends. You know, they don't all hear the same stuff. Yeah. Because they don't. I don't need to set, share certain things with certain members so yeah I think it's it's lads and lads isn't it and girls like I don't know you have like your besties and your second besties and your BFFFFs <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, true dear. that is true indeed yeah Matthew what would you say to, to, to someone listening that was maybe um, 
you know taking the time to actually listen to the podcast about something that's quite a hard-hitting subject but also that maybe is know somebody or is feeling themselves or has noticed something in someone at work or at school or whatever that might be showing signs of severe depression and therefore leading down the path of, of suicide what would your what would your sort of I say words of wisdom I don't want to put it that way but you know what I mean words of experience be to them yeah to, to go and have an open and honest conversation with them you know have, have a have a really in-depth conversation pull them aside in a in a comfortable environment or perhaps not pull them aside but provide a space that they can talk to um, and you know certainly jump online and see what else is available to, to you know maybe if it's a workplace your work might have some schemes and things that can help them mm. and just playing devil's advocate if you get you know a lot of people who probably are in a bit of a bad headspace may get asked by someone hey how you feel yeah I'm fine they, they shrug it off as I'm yeah. sure a lot of them do how do you how would you overcome that that objection as somebody trying to ask you know your friend your, your mate your colleague how are you? Come on, tell me well, actually, how you go. Well, I actually do that. I'm like, no. Yeah. How are you? It's like the put your put your hand on their arm and, and say it. Yeah. Or or ask it a ask it a different way. It's the I suppose uh, the English thing of you're right. Now to me, when someone says you're right, <laughs> yeah. my my reaction when I first got here was like, what? What's wrong? Have I got, yeah, have I got something on my face? Do I, do I look like shit? What's going on? I know you're right, mate. You'll, you'll be you're fine. But, you know, it's I suppose there's a you can ask different questions. One thing I find is the setting as well. It's really important to get people yeah. to chat and open up. Like, you know, if, you, if you're sort of like in the street or whatever, or if you're, you know, in a public place, bar, pub, whatever. You're not going to do it on the tube. No, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or in a nightclub. God, can you imagine? Um, well, well you know, might maybe. actually. You may actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends um, what state you're in. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... And also the timing of, like, what what's going on with the person as well. If they're thinking about other stuff, if they're not thinking about opening up, then they may not open up. And then... You know, if you get them in a point where actually they're in a bit more of a chilled, relaxed, reflective mood, then bang, then you can get loads of really cool, mm. not say cool, as in like, you know, uh, uh, honest stuff. Yeah. Honest stuff, you know. Um, do you find that when you talk to people that, you know, and especially when they, when you get like info from them for stigma statistics, do you find that the timing of that really is important for you about when you do it? Um, it's an interesting question. Um Yes and no. It depends what I'm what what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if we go back to the whole process with stigma, it is really important to get that information as soon as possible, because there's a like there's a critical period, sort of seventy two hours post death where you know bereaved are really at risk, and there's a, the high rate of um, sort of attempts in that in that period. Of, a, of a, a terms of an offset of what's just happened yeah. and people following suit. Okay, wow. And so the, if you look at the suicide stats, I think it's sort of between 10 and 15% of suicides are by people who are bereaved. Yeah. So. Gosh, that's yeah. that's quite scary stats. I didn't mm. realise it was that high. Um, around one in four people will experience a mental health problem at some point in their lives. So that's, you know, whether it be now, whether it be having gone already or whether it's to come. I mean, it's, you know... That, I guess it's, I know you can't say that to everybody, but that is 25% of the population. Well, I've actually heard that number go up, well, that stand yeah. to go up to one in three. You know, if really. you think about I'd it. I'd expect it to be higher, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, from, from, from low mood to then full, you know, um, full-blown uh, psychosis. But will your stats sort of like look into those things that have been done before and maybe like find out like newer angles on how to tackle it? Well, so what, what we... What we're trying to do is build up the full demographic picture. Yeah. Um, you know, 
everything about them and, and uh, that we can yeah. and then sort of learn, build it up from there. Because if we go back and look at some of the historical uh, data sets that have been collected, there's, there's not much there. You know, male, this age, this was the method. Um, and so when we get to that, then we can start to share lessons learned and all that kind of thing. So sort of part of uh, our pilots will be to, to learn that, that, that kind of stuff. And going international, is that something that you've um, noticed is, you know, I guess the UK and the Western societies, if you like, are a little bit further advanced in their, you know, work on mental health and depression and suicide. But in other places, I guess they don't really kind of, record it or, or yeah i mean that's if, if we if we take the nigeria example yeah, yeah, they, yeah. i mean they don't but yeah, yeah um other places are sort of yeah it's bits and pieces and you know there isn't the whole process laid out so you know part of it will be hey look this is what best practice looks like and that'll be from a i suppose from a, a uk example yeah and then i suppose once <clears throat> once you've gotten to the point where you know fast forward five years ten years and you've got statistic data to work on over the over the next say 50 years what would be the 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 overall goal is it to reduce the number of suicides or is it to reduce the amount of people contemplating suicide overall well, i mean ult- ultimate goal is to reduce suicides yeah um we want to move to a place when we've got the data to actually providing responsive um, services on the back of that um once you understand um what's going on you know why there was a death then you can sort of work backwards and so yeah. What we're what we're starting with is suspected suicides because that's what we know. Then we'll move to uh, attempts and sort of life saving interventions, and we're going to do that with with our work with British Transport Police and Network Rail. Then you can start to add another data sets, you know, um, social media sort of sediment. What uh, you know, um, contact with a vulnerable person. We're even looking at further down the line. We can um, put train uh, train sensors on hotspots to kind of go well. People are hanging around this area. We know from all the other things and, you know, um, let's say economics and geopolitical stuff to, yeah. to actually watch out for that area. Where, if people wanted to get in touch with you about stigma and uh, yourself perhaps as well, anything you're up to, where can people find you? Uh, so we will have a new website launched soon, which is stigmastats.co.uk because that's easy to say. Yeah. Um, or just you know hit me up on LinkedIn or, or send me an email um, Matthew at stigmastats.co.uk perfect happy we'll to put, answer any questions yeah we'll put those links in the in the show notes and people can get in touch if they need to cool thank brilliant. you so much thank you brilliant so yeah thank you very much indeed for listening and um, I think we sh- it's really important we should say if you are feeling uh, like you want to talk to someone then please do I mean anyone start by talking to someone that you know you may feel most comfortable with it's really important to just get your opinions and your thoughts and your your voice and how you are out there to begin with because it's difficult for for people to talk about these sorts of things and not because they might think that someone listening to it might not might not want to hear it and that's one thing that i've found is that you know if you are worried about sort of you know putting somebody out by talking to them about a really serious topic then you probably won't talk about it you have different friend groups right yeah. And you're different different people you can BFFs, go to. BFFs, BFFs. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you'll know someone within that. And I guess that's the thing for me too. I was, whilst I, I wanted my best friend to know about it, I had other friends that were, you know, open to listening. And that's the thing. It's 
there will be people that will listen to you and support you. And ultimately, if there isn't anyone in your social group, you've always got Samaritan's number yes. in mind and you've got all those other or fantastic charities. Oh, you can email Matthew, yeah. exactly. On the opposite side to that, if you feel somebody is in a bad space but you don't know how to approach it, um, you can also send that person the information. And podcast sharing is a really good way to give someone uh, a delicate message without mm. being completely direct. That's something I've been doing is just sharing yeah. podcasts. Maybe you should listen to this. If you feel you can't approach that person, then share, share our podcast. Yes. Con- content sharing in a way yeah. that's not in your face, yeah. but yeah. gives them time yeah. to... Indirect yeah, absolutely. Great, great, great idea. Yeah, it really is good because then, you know, it might just trigger that something for them to... Yeah, open exactly. Up. That's a really good idea. Another thing as well I've found is that, you know, surrounding yourself and like having sort of influences from your platforms on social media of positive people and people that you like rather than people that make you feel anxious or inferior or whatever. Like that's one thing I've noticed in the last few months. It's just made a big difference. And hitting that unfollow button is really, really actually mm. quite empowering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, thank you very much, Matthew. Thanks, Cece and Jack, as always. Thank you. Um, do subscribe to us and share us as well, actually. Yeah, why not share us as we've been talking about sharing. Um, at Manzilla Online and all the regular podcast platforms. At Manzilla Online and all the social media platforms. Um, yes, this has been the Manzilla Podcast. Have a great day. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.